line between Scarborough and Whitby. It seemed a good idea to place a small CID outpost there, so Gristhorpe had asked Hatchley if he fancied living by the seaside, and he'd said yes. After all, it was still in Yorkshire. Consequently, Hatchley and his new wife were off to Saltby Bay that night, or the way things were now going next morning. Richmond had his promotion at last, and Susan Gay had been brought upstairs as their new D.C., the ball of Kirimur was coming to a close now, and, with a bit of luck, Banks hoped that would be the end of the rugby songs, and the sulky DJ, who'd been pretending to set up his equipment for the past hour, would get his chance to shine. But when the song finally came to an end, and despite groans from the audience and a look of fury from Carol, the choir of rugby forwards refused to leave the stage without giving their rendition of Good King Wenceslas. However... A long, loud blast of feedback suddenly issued from the DJ's speakers, stopping them in their tracks, and before they could regather their wits, the room was filled with the sound of Martha and the Vandellas singing Dancing in the Street. Sandra smiled. That's more like it. Come on. Banks took her hand, but as they walked towards the dance floor, someone tapped him on the shoulder. He turned to see Susan Gay, snowflakes melting on the shoulders of her navy-coloured coat and in her short, curly blonde hair. Sir, I'm sorry to spoil the celebrations, but there's a possible murder. Awkward muse. Banks sighed. Then we'd better go over there, hadn't we? He went back to the bar and explained the situation to Gristhorpe, who insisted on accompanying him to the scene. Richmond, too, wanted to come along. No, lad, said Gristhorpe. Alan can fill you in later, and don't tell Hatchley either. I don't want to spoil his wedding day, though judging by the look on young Carol's face, he's already done that himself. Are you taking the car? Sandra asked Banks. Yeah, I'd better. There's no telling how long we'll be, but don't worry, Phil will take good care of you. Oh, I'm not worried. She slipped her arm into Richmond's. Phil's a lovely mover. The first thing Banks noticed when he entered the hall of Number 11 Oakwood Muse was the music, coming from the living room. It sounded familiar. Bach, perhaps? Then he paused on the threshold. A log fire crackled in the hearth, its flames tossing shadows on the sheepskin rug and over the stucco walls. The only other light came from two red candles on the polished oak table in the corner and from the Christmas tree in the window. On the wall above the stereo was a print of one of Gauguin's Tahitian scenes. As Banks stepped into the room, the beautiful music played on. But then he became aware of the sickly, metallic smell he'd come across so often before. A log shifted suddenly on the fire. Flames leapt, and their glow played over the naked body stretched out on the sofa. The woman's head was propped up on cushions, and the blood that had flowed from the multiple stab wounds in her throat and chest glistened like dark satin in the firelight. She was young and pretty, with shoulder-length jet-black hair. Bending over her, Banks noticed that her eyes were blue, but now their stare was cold and lifeless. In front of her, on a low coffee table, stood a half-empty teacup and a chocolate layer cake, with one slice missing. He became aware of Susan Gay standing silently beside him. 
It was, he realized, her first corpse, and she was handling it well. Better than he had. In the background, Gristhorpe was questioning P.C. Tolliver. Who found the body? Woman by the name of Veronica Shilden, sir. She lives here. Where's she now? said Banks. Upstairs with a neighbour. She didn't want to come back in here. I don't blame her. Do we know the victim? Name's Caroline Hartley. Lived here too, apparently. Gristhorpe raised his bushy eyebrows. Come on, Alan. Let's hear what she has to say. Susan, you stay down here till the Socco team arrives. There were only two rooms and a bathroom upstairs. One room had been converted into a study with bookcases covering one wall. So Banks reasoned if two women lived in the house and there was only one bedroom, then they must share it. He went into the study. Veronica Shilden sat in a wicker chair, head in hand.